This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 115, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a brand new guest. Hello, Haley. Hello. Uh, very happy to have you on for the first time. Um, why don't you start by, with new guests, I always like to like talk about people's history with wrestling, and I guess with the topic today, which is obviously New Japan. So how'd you get into wrestling slash New Japan? Uh, I got into wrestling at about, in about, uh, 2013, uh, with WWE. I just, there was some girl on Tumblr that I followed for, like, K-pop and One Direction related things. Um, and she started posting a bunch of pictures and GIFs and stuff of CM Punk. And I was like, who is this guy? He's like, really, he makes all these cartoony faces and he has these ridiculous tattoos. And I was like, kind of interested so i just turned on raw one day and then i just kept watching until like that was kind of mean because she got you into cm punk like right before he left yeah (laughs) yeah no i literally i think the first episode of raw i watched was the one right after like SummerSlam with like the Daniel Bryan and John Cena match. So like I kind of like jumped in right at the start of the Daniel Bryan story and then like oh, at the end of CM Punk's run. So I quickly kind of switched over to being like a Daniel Bryan stan. Uh so but that was fun. I remember like that story was like crazy and what got me like hooked into wrestling. So I was like oh my god this is amazing and of course with wwe it just all went downhill after that you know and i don't watch wwe anymore so i haven't like watched it since 
the what's it the uh the wrestlemania before this most recent wrestlemania the one with like mm-hmm. the undertaker and roman reigns that was like the last time i watched wwe wait wasn't that two years ago maybe um yeah I there was, a, it was like uh that I, was my... the one i don't know oh was it it was that was the last one <laughs> i watched be... <laughs> it might be two years ago. I, I, there was a time where I could like name every single match and every single WrestleMania card, and now I'm just like, uh, what mania was the main that the main event of again? I just don't, I don't fucking maybe, know. I think maybe it was two it was years like a, ago. Was that? I think that was the last one I watched. Maybe it was a different one. Was that the yeah. same one where they had like Shane? Yeah, it was that was the same one where they like Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan like against like uh. Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn or something. Remember that match? I yeah, don't really was, remember much. That was last year. Yeah, the main I, event I, for that one. Let's see. I'm checking this now because I'm curious. I may have like pieced out before the main event. Then. Yeah, the main event was Brock and Roman for that one. That was uh, I never one. watched that match. Yeah, so there you go. But yes, that was two years ago. That was like 2018. Okay, so yeah, that's Three the last like time I watched WWE. Yeah. Well, you're not missing much, honestly, unless you really like, uh, I don't know, The Fiend or something. <laughs> <The> <laughs> no. Fiend. <laughs> no, no. If I wanted to, like, see that, I'd just, like, watch a Slipknot video or something, you know? Like, I don't need to watch the <laughs> WWE version. Um, uh, it's just fun to say The Fiend out loud. The Fiend. The fiend. Yeah. But, but how'd you get um, into New Japan? Time to New Japan, uh, 2015. Actually, the first time I watched it was at one of the like panels that you hosted at Anime Next. Oh, and really? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea before we came on the air here. You could have mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, like I knew who you were before like we like actually like got to know each other because i'd like seen you at these panels but like i didn't really like know you but now now we know each other which is good that is cool but yeah Uh um i had been to the panel the year previous but like i didn't like watch new japan after that but then like 2015 one you played part of um ibushi versus nakamura and i was like Oh my god, I have to watch this. And wow. I, I had no idea I was such a huge part of your origin story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like uh, I I like really didn't think about it until I was like I was thinking like, you know, when did I really start watching New Japan? Because like what like, you know, I guess I should know these type of things. I was thinking about it like a few months ago and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that's right. That's what happened. So, but yeah, you played part of that. And then I went home and I watched the entire thing. And I was like, oh, my God. I love I mean, this. It is, it is like, it's like one of the best matches of all time. Pretty much got yeah, Nakamura into the, hall, into the Observer Hall of Fame, like, single-handedly, I think. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really funny because when I first watched that match, my favorite was, like, Nakamura. But now it's like, of course, I'm like crazy obsessed with Ibushi. Like he was my second favorite yeah. at the time. <laughs> but now it's like Ibushi is that like, is, kind of funny. is is like 
you know, everything for me. Well, I'm glad I asked about your origin story because that's uh, that has to be an omakase first that you got into it during a panel. By the way, did I, I didn't tell you this yet. They approved me for a New Japan panel at Anime NYC this year. Oh, that just happened, that just happened like excited. two days ago. Yeah, fri it's Friday at four thirty. So Friday at four thirty. I hope that is that I can that it's not like around the same time that I have to be like lining up for the concert or something. Yeah, I'm gonna but... go straight from I'm gonna go straight from the panel to the lineup for the concert because <laughs> I think oh, the, yeah. concert's at, the concert's at seven thirty. I think. So I'm gonna like basically like host my own panel and then immediately exit to go line up for the concert. But, yeah, I mean I'm like sitting in one of the back sections anyway, so it's not like I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I have to go line up and be at barrier. So I don't think it'll matter too yeah, much for me. Yeah. I don't know about you. What I don't know what ticket you got. I'm in section. Yeah, I got A. So okay. I don't I don't have VIP, so I'm not gonna be like on the guardrail either. But yeah. Uh, but that's a good transition because people love anime talk and you were just saying on off the air, you could definitely do anime talk. Oh yeah. So I, I know you're a big love live person. I've never watched the show. So sell, sell me and sell the, the listener on why they should watch love live. Um, should watch love live because it's the greatest anime to ever exist. Um, but I guess the thing I like about Love Wise is I've always liked Japanese idols. Um, so, like, they've always appealed to me, like, the idea of, like, you know, a bunch of, like, girls working together and, like, you know, being, like, bigger than, like, the sum, like, being the sum being bigger than their individual parts. Kind of, like, they're not perfect, but they have, like, this energy and this excitement. And Love Live does a really good job at capturing what's so exciting to me about idols. Um, and I like that, like, you know, I like the music a lot. I think the music's really, really great. You know, it goes through a lot of different genres, but it's all, like, super, like, catchy J-pop, you know. And I think the characters are super tropey, but, like, still like they don't feel like they're just cynically pandering they still feel like kind of heartwarming and uh also there's a lot of like you know shippy stuff between girls obviously that's always good you know because i'm like a lesbian so of course i love that and i eat that shit up um and i also really love that you know you connect with like the voice actresses as well like they perform live concerts like as the characters so it's not just like getting into like the characters of love live it's also the the voice actresses and like you get to see them like you know grow throughout the project and become like better performers and watch them become closer so there's like dual aspect of that um and the fandom's really good too actually uh I got into fandom mainly through the mobile game and people there are like really nice. I have to say like love life fans are like insane, but for the most part, they're like really cool with other love, love life fans. It's just, if you insult love live, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I should mention too that I said I didn't listen to the, I didn't watch the show, but I actually did play the mobile game a little bit. 
when they first like translated it, I guess I played yeah. around with it for a little while. It, it did seem pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Um, I've fallen out of playing it a little bit recently because I got obsessed with the review Starlight mobile game. But I still like, you know, I listen to the music from the anime every day. You know, I'm always like watching, you know, videos and stuff. So it's like I'm obsessing with Love Live in different ways than playing the mobile game. What? Oh, as I was going to say, of course, you're going to see them live next month uh, at Anime NYC, which is cool. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's not the entire group, right? It's like a subgroup. Yeah, so it's Aqua, and then they have three subgroups. Um, and this is Guilty Kiss, which is like the kind of like cooler subgroup. They do like mainly like rockish or R and B ish kind of like infused pop music, as opposed to like I guess the other groups. Like one's really chirpy, and then then like they do kind of like I don't know, it's really hyper music. And then there's another one that does kind of chiller. Uh, like soft sounding electro pop, kind of like with Love Live. There's like three attributes: cute, no, not cute, smile, cool, and pure. So like the subgroups are also like around, surrounded around those ideas. Um, like the attributes. Now, are which one the, is your favorite? Uh, my favorite character. No, no, your favorite subgroup. Oh, Azalea, which is mm. uh. The one that my favorite character is in. They're like the kind of, they're more like a soft, pure electro pop group. But, but where would Guilty like, Kiss rank for you? Was it are they at the bottom or they were the number two? They're second. I love, okay. I listen to Guilty Kiss a lot. So their music is really like energetic, like kind of like rock music and it's fun to. To just like dance along to and, and stuff. So, so I'm very I'm much looking forward to it. Yes, I'm yeah. very much I'm really excited just that uh any any like aqua related love live related anything's coming to like the East Coast. Like they're always at Anime Expo and, and all of that and never on the East Coast. So finally we're getting something. <laughs> Now I could I I could have seen them two years ago, but I ended up picking. I actually knew more about Idol Master than Love Lives. Ended up picking the concert with Idol Master, so. Uh, but I I almost went to Aqua. I guess I could have. It just could didn't have quite happen. But next year, if they because I'm going to Anime Expo next year, if they if they come back, I'm going to go. I think. Just to say I did it, but yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, what kind of what any other anime you've been watching like this in the new season yet? Um, I haven't picked up anything in the new season yet. I just finished all my last season shows, and I guess I'm, I usually wait like a few episodes to see what's good so far. Um, so I don't I don't know if anything yet has really stood out. I don't know. Have you watched anything new yet? So I have actually. Do you do you like isekai or no? It depends. Normally, like the current kind of isekai, like no. But I really like things like Fushigi Yugi. So I guess like there's some isekai like that or like Inuyasha, like those kind of shows I like. I was gonna. Well, I don't know if you'd like this one then because it is very much new isekai, but it is like an all girl like 
the new Aza character, I think, is um well, I very might unique like it. in the current batch. Yeah, I'm, so it's called I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna like butcher the Japanese name. So that's what Watashi uh no Oyoku wa he kinichi de te itayone, which is like, didn't I tell you to make my abilities average in the next life? Oh yeah, so, I've heard of that one. Yeah. But yeah, the first episode was like really, really cute and like, you know, just really funny. So it's like very much like a light of another like lighthearted isekai, very kind of similar to uh the time I was reincarnating as a slime, but this oh, yeah. time like centered around like an all like an all-girl troop. So that one's my favorite of the ones I've seen in the first episode of so far. Okay. I'll have to I'll have to check that out then because yeah, all girl if it's all girl, it's fine. It's like what I don't like is kind of like the reason I don't like a lot of new isekai is because it's like centered on like these like kind of average male characters who like suddenly have like a like a bunch of like beautiful like magic women surrounding them that are like all like ooh. And I'm like, I don't buy this. I'm like, no way. But if it's all girls, then it's fine. I know. Like, fucking Overlord, which I couldn't... I tried to watch, and I gave up after a few episodes. It was just like, this guy sucks, and, like, everyone wants acts like he's the greatest thing of all time. It's very, like... Or, or I think he, like, reprograms one of them to be, like, subservient to him. It's, like, very gross. But, what the hell? Um, <laughs> it's, like, really kind of gross. Yeah yeah it's, that was a really pop popular one but um the only other thing i've seen in f- the first episode of so far is uh blade of the immortal the new the new remake that's on amazon which is good but also like incredibly violent so <laughs> gotta recommend to anybody listening don't just don't check that out if you're squeamish because there's a lot going on there i i mean um, i'm good with violent i might check it out as long as it's like violent like you know, like just like bloody and like fighting and not like weird, like sexy violence that I don't like. It's definitely not sexy. It's definitely not sexy. I mean, okay. there is, it is very gross. It is definitely not sexy. It's like a revenge. It's like a very like samurai revenge tale kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's very violent. But All right. um, it has like I'm a very a- all star. It's like an all star team, like making it apparently. So, um, but yeah, it's like a. It's an interesting one. And then the other thing I've been watching lately, which which is not new, but it was actually from last year, but I missed it, was uh, Wotaku no Koe wa Muzukashi, which is like dating is hard for otaku. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. I want to watch that one, you know? Yeah, that sounds it's like, good. It's really, it is really cute and funny. And I find it, it's just like very rarely do you get characters like that on TV, even in anime. Because it's like, you know, you have like two Fujoshi, um, you know, and you have a guy, Otaku, who's like, I don't know, like he's he's like a total, you know, nerd, but like he's not, I don't know, I don't know how to say this. He's not like so antisocial that you can't even talk to him, which I feel like is the only kind of male nerd they really show, you know? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And he's still like a, you know, an actual nice guy down in the middle, you know, when it get, when you get right down to it, which... You know, not quote unquote nice guy. Oh but, yeah. Um, but the two, but yeah, it's just like really different kind of characters, and you know, really, I think goes into it's like an age group too that's not really covered a lot in anime. It's like people in their twenties, like working at like this office. So I definitely recommend that one. It's very a very different type of like romance slash like slice of life thing. 
So I feel like my... I like anything with characters who are like in their twenties, like that are like realistic because then it's like, oh, I can relate to this. This is like when I watched like um, Gretzko, I was like, oh my God, even though this is an entirely different country, it's an entirely different culture. I have had this experience before, which was like, you know, normally in anime, it's like, yeah, I've never piloted a giant robot and I'm also not like 14, so. <laughs> but we're all Shinji in our hearts, so. <laughs> well, I actually was 14 when I watched Evangelion, so maybe that's not the example I should have used, so. <laughs> You could yeah. use like victory. You could use like victory Gundam, where the pilot's like fucking ten. Oh god! <laughs> like that was where they they got really like it, they just kept getting younger or something. And by the time we got to victory Gundam, and it's like a ten year old in like the fucking in in the most like grisly one he ever did because it's basically like the French Revolution in space. I don't, I don't know how oh to describe god. it. Oh my god! Which like, which why do we have it? Vic, victory Gundam. Okay, it was like the last, the last one Tomino did, thankfully, before until he came back for turn A. But yeah, this was like the height of his depression, and it's just like, you know, little. This, this, there's an a sequence early on where this like small child sees like a nightmare of tons of people being beheaded by guillotines, and just like, how is this aired, presumably oh for children? What the fuck are we doing? I know. Sometimes, sometimes I had that thought when I watch anime. I'm like, wait, hold on. This was like, this was not like a 3 a.m. one. This was a primetime one. Are Are you sure? It was like Saturday afternoon for the kiddies. Just this kid imagining people getting beheaded. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh it was really bizarre, but I I don't know. I guess you're allowed to do that. If you sell enough robots, you can do yeah. anything, I guess. Sell yeah. them model kits. Uh, but yeah, so there's anime chat, since people seem to enjoy that. I guess we should go ahead and get to the actual reason people are here, which is the King of Pro Wrestling review. So, um, a couple notes before we get into the actual show. First of all, I think the most obvious thing is, uh, if you didn't hear there was a typhoon in Japan, um, you know, very very sorry to hear about anybody that lost their life. And I think the death toll was at like 37 last oh, wow. time I heard. Yeah. So it got, it got up there finally, but like it, it was like in single digits for a while. So I assume they just, you know, were able to confirm more dead. So that's very sad. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, there was a lot of damage, um, you know, for a little while, I wasn't even sure there, there was going to be a show at all, but you know, um, I guess they, the, the trains were back running, I think, on Sunday by, like, 1 p.m. So once I heard that, I figured they would probably be able to run the show. Uh, the, the dojo got completely flooded. I don't know if you saw those pictures. Oh, yeah, I saw those. And uh, they were talking about that a lot on English commentary. I don't know which track you listen to. Um, yeah, I listened to English. Yeah, they were talking about that one a lot. And I saw the pictures online. I was like, oh, my God. It was yeah. It's just... Uh, it's upsetting. But I mean it's you know, you never want to hear about people dying, but I guess it could it could have been a lot worse. So yeah. you know, hopefully they're able to recover and rebuild. Um unfortunately I I'm I'm actually surprised there were more people that couldn't make it, but uh Zach Saber Jr. and John Moxley both didn't make it in time. Um 
everybody else did though. So like Kevin, cause I know Kevin Kelly and Lance Archer and uh, Will Ospreay. I'm trying to think who else was flying in. Uh, that might be it actually. Cause a lot of the other, a lot of the other foreigners live there now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot, so they all made it in in time, but uh, you know, Moxley and Zach, Zach did not make it. So that resulted in a bunch of changes. Uh, Zach was supposed to be on a six-man tag um, with again, with Suzuki going against Lij, and uh, John Moxley, of course, was supposed to defend the U.S. title against Juice Robinson. Uh, so the U.S. title match got changed to well, first of all, Moxley got stripped to the U.S. title, which um, you know was a little surprising at first, but they did bring it up, and there is precedent where, like, basically the rule is if you're the champion. And you're scheduled for defense. You can't defend it for any reason. Then they strip you. Because yeah, time- I mean, oh, sorry, it's like ahead. unfair. It's like unfair, but at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, keep things moving. Yeah, I mean, the last time it happened was when uh, Togi Makabe got the flu and couldn't do it yeah. against Ishii for the Never Title. So they changed it to Ishii versus someone. Um, you know, for a you know, to, to a decision match, which, you know, isn't really fair either. I mean, he got the flow. It's not like he was. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, but this, this, like you're, like you're saying could be even more unfair if you want to look at it that way, because, you know, there was a fucking typhoon. <laughs> John Moxley can't do much about, yeah. um, but yeah, it was changed to juice versus, um, you know, changed to juice and Lance Archer for the US title. So Archer came out of his tag match. Uh, a bunch of stuff got shuffled around Poor Bushi and Taguchi ends up off the show completely. I was like, but, when I saw there's no Bushi, I was like, there's so much, so much injustice against Bushi right now. He doesn't get to be in tag <laughs> league, and now he's kicked off of a show. It's like, you know, this guy can't catch a break. Really annoying. It is true. I mean, he was, you were, you were there. He was like surprisingly popular in America. Like, yeah, they liked, they liked them from Bushi. I mean, so, I love Bushi, so I was I was pretty happy about that, you know. I like I like Bushi too. I don't know why he yeah. gets so much hate sometimes, but does he get hate? I feel like people just mostly like don't talk about him a lot. You, you'll see some people bring him up as like one of the worst people on the roster, which I'm like, I I don't think that's what? true. Like I don't like the worst people on the roster to me is like Eugirio and like Fale. And- of course. And I'm like, Bushi is like way above those folks. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was a bunch of card changes. Basically, six mans became regular tags, which is probably honestly an improvement. But and obviously, the US title match changed. The one thing that like was a little weird when is they changed the card order and moved that go to a white six man like right in between all those singles matches, which. I was like, I don't know why they changed that. They didn't have to. <laughs> they didn't really I, yeah. have to be changed. I thought it was weird. It was really like, weird. I mean, it kind of worked out for me because I kind of needed like a break. Like I was like, oh, I can go, you know, like make some more coffee or something. So I kind of like yeah. did spend part of that match just kind of like, you know, standing by my coffee maker, like looking at my like laptop screen from afar, like not being able to hear anything because didn't have my headphones in. So that match was kind of like. You know, whatever. But everything else, I was like really glued to the screen, so it was good to have a break. Yeah. Um. So, did you watch this live or no? 
Yeah, I watched it live. Um, the only match that I missed live was the first one. So when you said, oh, I have to watch, I'm still watching the show. I was like, oh, wait, I never watched the opening match. So I went back and I watched that. <laughs> okay, well, that worked out, I guess. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is the attendance, which despite, again, we just mentioned there was a typhoon. Presumably some people um, who planned on going you know, probably couldn't make it because of the typhoon or would have gone, uh, you know, because the typhoon didn't make it. But they, they still announced 9,573, which is pretty damn good, again, in the middle of a typhoon. Yeah. Um, last, last year it did 9,172. So, just again, despite typhoon, this was up from last year, which, you know, doesn't – I can't say I'm really surprised because despite yeah. what some people in the West might think uh, of him – Sonata is very popular, uh, and obviously, you know, everybody knows Okada is popular. And then, and then Ibushi Evil is also a very strong semi-main. So Yeah, and of um, course last year was, like, literally the worst main event. So. <laughs> last year was, like, awful. <laughs> last, like, I'm pretty sure Cody is, like, an anti-draw in Japan. Like, that has to be it. Because, like, cause they're okay I, with I Kenny, know. and obviously Ibushi is a draw. So, you know. I guess I guess I mean, it has Cody wasn't I was what? gonna say wasn't Cody I guess Cody was in the semi main Cody was in the semi main of that Dontaku night one that drew really badly in twenty eighteen when he was facing I guess facing Ibushi. Yeah. So Oh yeah, like I forgot Kenny that Page in the main. I forgot that match. Oh god. Yeah, I for I like blocked out most of the whole like bullet club <laughs> feud and now it's like coming back. I'm like, oh yeah, that was like so terrible. <laughs> That yeah, was, I mean, that's like the number one reason. Oh, sorry. That, I was going to say, that's like the number one reason why I thought 2018 was bad. It was like pretty much just a Bullet Club feud. Yeah, no, same. For me, it was like, like the Bullet Club feud, and they're like, you know, it just started off bad, and it just kept getting worse. I felt like, you know, like it started off bad with like the like Naito like losing, and then just like, I'm like, it can't get worse from here, and then it did, you know. It did. Yeah. Well, but but 2019 has been a lot better because we haven't, if anything, we haven't had, you know, a book club civil war the entire year, and it doesn't feel like code is being wasted. So. Yeah, like I haven't loved 2019, but it's like a significant improvement from last year. So to me, that's that's that that's at least like, you know, something. I don't hate it this year. You know, I think I'm, I like it a lot more than you do, but it's still, still for sure, way way better than last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's we're gonna go reverse order here, especially since uh, the top part of this card was you know pretty big. So let's start with the Okada Sonata main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Um, this was their fourth meeting of the year. Um, you know, listeners will know that I, you know, really enjoyed two of the meetings. Uh, the New Japan Cup match and the G1 final, or not G1 final, the G1 match, both of which I went four and three quarter stars on. I did not like the Dontaku title match nearly as much. Um, you know, it was below four on that. What did you think of the first three meetings? Did you like two of them as much as I did? Or did you, like, did you just love all of them? Did you hate all of them? I'm kind of like a little like eh on the entire feud. I actually don't think I watched the 
was it the which one i didn't watch one of them i think i watched i know i watched a g1 one and i'm pretty sure i watched the new japan cup one which i liked but i wasn't like super like super into like i liked but i liked it and then like it just feel like i don't know i feel like the the feud just isn't that interesting to me i think like they're too similar to me to be like interesting because they're both like really stoic and i'm kind of like i don't know i guess i need something really flamboyant to kind of offset that you know like you see like okada versus like tanahashi and tanahashi is like you know like has like a you know loud not afraid to speak out really flamboyant and then like okada is the perfect foil like even with kenny like i mean kenny is obnoxious but it works like when it's against okada whereas i feel like with sanada it's kind of like okada is the the more emotional one here which is really strange dynamic to me i guess yeah but i mean it's like a good match to watch in terms of like you know obviously they're both super athletic and you know it's not like it's like oh my god this is terrible it just feels like kind of like not quite there for me it doesn't like really hit where i need it to excepting like at the end when sanado was like crying i finally felt like okay maybe there's something to this maybe oh like maybe if i rewatch it i'll get something from it but I don't know. I just I just feel like it doesn't quite hit me on the, the level I want it to. Yeah, I I can hear you. Um I I really liked like I said two of the three and this one I was going to say is like right in between the ones I really liked and the ones I didn't really like. Yeah. Um you know, like I thought for long stretches, you know, the, the problem I have with it basically is I thought it started out really really hot. You know, Okada goes right for that shotgun drop kick at the bell. Yeah. Um, you know, the match starts super fast, and you you know they go for the moonsault and the rainmaker and the skull end, and the crowd's going nuts. And then I thought it like kind of slowed down artificially, and you know, Okada, we get like five minutes in, we get that like that really long Okada chin lock. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like okay at that point it's like I was honestly kind of worried when I first saw how much time was left that they were going to do the sixty minute draw that people had speculated, but. As the oh, yeah, I was on. nervous. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I was nervous about that too, the entire match. As, <laughs> as the match went on, I thought it was a little less likely because it didn't feel like they were going for some stuff too soon. But, um, you know, it, it still went very long, as we'll, we'll mention. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like Sonata, he used a one-man, there was like a one-man magic color used on the guardrail on the floor, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And then we got the big die over the guardrail by Okada. Um, I will say my most hated spot in the match was right after that, where like Okada like stops Red Shoes from counting Sonata out, which is I I think that's kind of first of all it's kind of stupid when you think about it. It's like your your title's on the line here, man. You should just take the count out. But second of all, if he goes on to win, which of course he did, it kind of makes Sonata look like a geek because this man like saved you from getting counted out, and then he's just like beats you anyway. Yeah. Um, but then at that guess, point, Sonata just keeps, like, selling. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it just, I guess it's, like, the idea is, like, oh, look, Okada's, like, you know, he really takes Sonata seriously, and, you know, he really wants to fight him, and he's not, like, as arrogant 
like in the same way that it's not about like, oh yeah, I can beat this guy. That's about, oh, I want to test myself or something. But yeah, it's, I, I agree. Like it's still pretty like ridiculous. Like it doesn't make sense if the whole point of a match is winning a match, you know? Yeah. Uh, 15 minutes in is where I think it really picked up. Uh, you got like a, a big comeback from Sonata, including a dive to the floor. I uh, put him in the paradise lock and, you know, kind of killed a little bit of time with that. But then Okada came out of nowhere with a shotgun drop kick as a counter, which yeah. is, I think, the coolest that move has ever looked as a counter. Um, then we had our first real issue with the match here, where Sonata started locking in the skull end, and he keeps, like, locking it in, but the crowd just doesn't buy that that's going to be the finish. I just think it, maybe, I guess, it was too early for yeah. skull end. And this is where you get into the issue where, like, I think New Japan has trained fans on these big IWGP title matches to know that they're going to go, like, at least 30 minutes, um, which is not necessarily a good thing to train your fans to because, you know, here, I mean, here you have, like, a a, a skull. What do you think about it? A finisher, because this was, like, 20 minutes in the match. A finisher 20 minutes in the match, your crowd should be be able to buy that it's going to win. It's not just that they couldn't believe Sonata was going to win because later on when Sonata had – uh, you know, a chance to win. The crowd actually did buy the near falls and stuff. It's just more like they didn't think it was going to be over 20 minutes in. And at this point, like Okada, he like struggles out of the skull and he hits a rainmaker. And I rewound this to make sure it was a real rainmaker. Like he did the spin and everything. But when he got one arm on Sonata, again, the crowd did not think a rainmaker was going to end the match. And we're 25, we're like 25 minutes in at this point. So it was a very weird near fall because I can't remember the last time a real rainmaker like got no reaction like that. Yeah, it's like I mean I've been kind of having that problem too, and with this match specifically, like I thought they were gonna go like at least like forty five minutes because people are like, oh yeah, they're gonna do a sixty minute draw, and I'm like, that sounds unlikely, but I'm gonna prepare for it to be like at least forty five minutes, and then. It was, yeah. so, like, when it hit, like, when they announced it was, like, 35 minutes, I was, like, oh, good. It's, like, finally going to get to, like, the big end sprint. And then it ended, like, three minutes later. So it felt, like, kind of, like, I, it's, like, it's, like, I felt like I could have enjoyed the match more if I hadn't, like, expected it to be longer than it was. Like, some matches I just enjoy more, like, after they've happened and I know what the result is and I feel like this is one of those where like I don't have to be like nervous about it being like a slog I can just enjoy it and know what I'm going to get yeah um but I thought the work itself was actually really good especially from the 15 minute part and here like one Sonata Sonata goes to Scotland again uh again there's not a lot of crowd buying on it but after he like puts him out and then hits the, goes to the double moonsault and Okada gets his knees up, now the crowd, for whatever reason, is like going nuts. Like all of a sudden, they're just like on a gigantic Sonata chant. So it almost feels like now the crowd's like, okay, we're like 30 minutes in. Now we buy that this, this match could end. Which again, I think is a problem that New Japan needs to like maybe retrain their fans and have a couple IWGP title matches go 20 minutes so they get back, you know, they at least think it's a possibility it could end before 30. But everything after this, like the crowd's going nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, Okada, like he rope walks out of the skull end. Uh, he hits a spinning tombstone. 
But Sonata, I think he might be the first person to ever counter the Rainmaker after the Spinning Tombstone. Because that move, ever since Okada used it, has been like complete death. Yeah. So he, he does he does counter out of the Rainmaker. Like he kicks his way out of it after that. Um, he gets like, he goes to a Japanese leg clutch hold. And the crowd here, the crowd thinks Sonata is about to pin Okada with a flash pin to win the title. Like they go nuts for that near fall. Um, they go back to Skull End. The crowd, again, actually is now believing that Sonata could win. Like they're really into it at this point. And Okada gets out there when he hits like a drop kick. Um, you know, we get the 35 minute call and then Okada goes to the tombstone again. Sonata keeps trying to turn it into skull end and then probably the coolest spot of the match because Okada can't get the tombstone. He just like flips him over into like a modified Michinoku driver. Oh that yeah. Really, really, it looked really cool and it looked really natural for where Sonata's position was. So like, you know, sometimes these reversal sequences can look pretty hokey, but this one looked like, looked perfect. It was really and after good. that, after that, he hits the Rainmaker for the pin. Um, they, they said, I thought they said 37-28, but here the, the website says 36-21. But uh, either way, I thought this, you know, I mentioned, like, the problems with the crowd, and, you know, it was a little bo- boring in, like, the first 10 to 15 minutes. I would actually say from, like, 5 to 15, because the first five minutes are actually really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it enough to go four and a quarter. I thought it was, you know, at by the end, an excellent match, and you know, the best match on the show, but like, you know, def- not up to the level of the the two Okada Sonata matches that I thought were the best of the year, but still, you know, a really good match by the end, and I think the crowd getting behind Sonata to the degree they did at the end, even in a match where, like, realistically you have to know Okada's winning, I think it's a really good sign for Sonata. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, this year has been, like, such a major change for, like, Sonata and, like, his whole, like, not just, like, his his character, but also his look and, like, even, you know, even, like, his wrestling feels a little different. Like, he feels a little bit more energetic, I guess, ever since he kind of veered into less into, like, the, like, oh, I never speak and I never make any facial expressions type of thing. And I think it's really good that the fans are reacting to that, that, you know, there's, you know, like that it's actually being successful. Like they're building up someone and it feels natural. Like I'm, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not making much sense, I guess. No, no, no. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think he, they have, he, there is definitely a change there since like he's showing more charisma. Yeah. And I like it. Like it's kind of, I always felt like Sonata was like, like, oh, he's good, but I don't really care. And now I'm like, I'm starting to feel like I think I, I think I care about Sonata. Like, you know, beyond just like, oh, he's cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that goes for a lot of the crowd too. I think there's like more and more of a connection. Yeah. And again, it, even though people, there are definitely Western fans, especially on Twitter. Who would have you believe that Sonata is like the worst wrestler on the planet and nobody cares about him and whatever. And it's like, I've seen him be w- way over in Japan and he was really over in America too. Yeah. <laughs> the shows are at, like the crowd loves him. So, I mean, whatever you can say, anything you want about Sonata, he has no charisma. Da, 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 da. Like he has a connection with these, with fans in two, on two continents now. So yeah. like, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you at that point. Clearly something he's doing is working. Even if you, personally like mr person on twitter isn't into it um 
the semifinal, and I guess the reason why I had you on for this episode, since uh, you are like one of the number one Kota Ibushi fans I know, and Sabushi in a significant match. Uh, Kota Ibushi and Evil. What do you think of this? Like, first of all, I, I, I'm I'd love to ask you about the the build to this because I feel like there's some thoughts that maybe Ibushi maybe hasn't been the most exciting and like um or like the most I'm just trying to think of the way to put this like evil beating Ibushi twice in a row and those tag matches leading up to this almost feels like it's cooled him off a little bit as G1 winner um so I guess I'd like to know your thoughts on that and maybe you know does it bother you at all that like we got you know Ibushi finally wins the G1 it's going to be his big moment at the dome but everything feels a little more complicated because of the double title thing. Um, it feels a little weird that we're doing Okada Ibushi again when we just did that during the G1, which they've never, you know, they, they don't do that really. I, I think the last time they did that, they had a G1 match and then the same match on 1-4 for the title, I think it was like 2011 or something. So it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. So that feels kind of weird as an as a IWGP title match. So does that bother you at all that like this in Ibushi's big year, getting his big G1 moment and all that? it's during this more complicated like two dome thing and it feels like maybe it's kind of Naito's thing too. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Like it's been like, it's just in general, I feel like been a really weird year for Ibushi where it's like, he's been like materially really successful, but I also feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lack of excitement in a way, kind of surrounding him. Like people are more excited about the idea that like Naito will have two belts and like no one really cares as much with like Ibushi. Like people are like Ibushi's just a way to like get to like something with Naito, I guess. You know? I feel yeah. like I don't know. It's been like weird, weird because it's like, oh, when he went won like the IC title, it's like, oh, he's gonna have an IC title run. It's gonna be really good, and then it's gonna be like Naito's year for the G one. And of course, like none of that happened. Like you know, it's like the complete opposite right now, and it's not really honestly. I feel like this G one win isn't really like serving Ibushi well because yeah, it just feels like he's in the background, like, I feel like there's, like, no result for him at Wrestle Kingdom that's gonna be, like, fully satisfactory. Like, even if he wins two titles, it's, like, he's still gonna be, like, in the shadow of, oh, Naito didn't do it. Like, it's not gonna be, like, oh, Ibushi did it. People are gonna be, like, oh, that's nice for him, and not, like, Oh my god, this is like they're not you're not gonna have like fans like crying and happiness or whatever. Like like when like Okada beat Naito at Wrestle Kingdom and people were like politely clapping for Okada, like that's what like my fear is is what's gonna happen if Ibushi does win double titles. And like I don't want that at all. Like I can't I wouldn't be able to deal with that. Like, you know, like I'd be like Oh, it's cool that he won, but I guess for me, it's, like, titles aren't as important as, like, seeing, like, other fans, like, be as excited about him as I am, and so seeing, like, that people are just 
like, oh, it's nice, but he's not Naito is really frustrating. Now, let's say let's say the scenario happens where like this, this all is what people think it might be, and it's all a way to get to Naito double titles at the Dome. Would that, first of all, I guess, would that bother you as an Ibushi fan? And second of all, would it still bother you as an Ibushi fan if Ibushi wins the heavyweight from Naito like three months later, which is kind of why I suspect it's going to happen? Um, it would still bother me no matter what because it would be like it feels like Ibushi won the G1 for like not really much it's either he's gonna like beat Okada and then lose to Naito the next day which is like honestly to me the worst scenario or he'll just lose to Okada on the way to like Naito's win which then it's like he's an afterthought completely so I just feel like there's no winning scenario for Ibushi here. I feel like he's kind of just in general, like, I don't know. It's like, it feels like this kind of monkey's paw situation for me where it's like, oh, I want Ibushi to be really successful. And of course it's being given to me in the most complicated and like (laughs) frustrating manner possible. Yeah. Well, believe me, I know about, the similar struggles with Naito. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh, I really wanted Naito to win the G1, too. Like, I was... Like, it was so weird when, like, Ibushi won it, and I just, like... I was more frustrated than, like, and confused than, like, just straight-up excited. Like, I was, like... I felt like... I felt like I couldn't fully be happy about it, which made me just uh, angrier. Um... But I, I feel like the crowd almost shares that confusion, kind of, because it feels like it feels like Abushi's pops aren't like as loud as they should be, probably. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even even in America and Japan. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the crowd was into it when he came out and to challenge Okada at the very end. Yeah. But but I think the crowd also just kind of feels like, well, we're not sure where this is going, <laughs> but okay. Okada finally like mentioned. So we should mention too that the post match for the main event. Okada, I guess, finally mentioned the double title thing for the first time. Although he didn't mention it as his own goal, he just kind of said, "Like Abushi, who do you think you are for saying you're going to win both titles? You can't even beat me for the the heavyweight title." So Okada still hasn't said that he actually wants to do this, which I find interesting. I but think it's good that. I think it's good because it's kind of like this whole double title thing is so it's just like everyone's saying they want it. So I kind of like that Okada's setting himself apart and he's like, I only care about the title I'm holding. I only care about the heavyweight title. You know? But then, so, but then what happens What happens if he beats Koda on 1-4 and has to fight Naito for both belts on 1-5? Like, is he going to refuse? It's just a little weird. I know. It's really weird. It's just like... yeah. I don't know. I feel like I, I this whole like two Wrestle Kingdom thing. Luckily, when they announced it, I was like already like okay. I think this is gonna like be messy, and then it's somehow even messier than I thought it would be. Like I was kind of hoping. Yeah, nobody, that, I don't think anyone. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like kind of hoping. My my hope was that like. Night 
two would be like the big heavyweight match, and night one they do I don't know something like maybe the IC, but like an entirely unrelated match, or maybe like do a big like Liger retirement match or something as the main. But instead, it's like double heavyweight title matches. Like it's it's just it's like. They made this, it's, like, so convoluted right now, everything that's going on, and, like, one of the reasons I really liked New Japan, when, like, when I first started watching it, was that it wasn't too convoluted. Like, there were titles, and you just fought for them, and then, like, you know, the wrestlers themselves would, like, build their stories, and, like, they'd have their characters and stuff like that, but, like, the plot itself wasn't getting in the way of that. Whereas it feels like the plot is kind of getting in the way of, like, who everyone is. Excepting for, like, yeah. Naito, who started the plot. Yeah. But even then, it's, like, it's weird for Naito to say, like, I want both titles. Like, I'm, like, I still don't get why, even for that. <laughs> I guess his thing was he wants to be the first one to do it, he basically said. But, like, it is weird. It's, like, why don't you just focus on trying to get the heavyweight back, finally? Yeah. Because but... it's, like... Is a little... It's like, I guess, never quite explained why Naito suddenly feels different about the IC title. Like, I still don't get yeah. why suddenly he's like, wants it. He's like, oh, I want it just so I can be double champ. But then it's like, but that still means you want it. And instead of like before, where it's like, I hate it, I want to destroy it. You know, now it's yeah. like, oh, well, I would just need it for this other thing instead of like being actively against it. Yeah, like I like that Naito was like when he was like destroying the IC belt. I was like, yeah, yeah, like kill it, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't he know. Didn't I feel, succeed though. Yeah, I feel like everyone's character direction this year has just been like I don't know. Like I don't get what Naito's doing. I don't get what even she's doing. Even she feels like very different this year in a way that's kind of like I don't know makes me a little uncomfortable it is a little weird that he suddenly wanted to take Naito's dream from him it's like it feels a little I don't know aggressive for Kota Ibushi yeah or like when he was like courting Sanada like trying to be like oh Sanada be my tag team partner or whatever it was like it reminded me of like Tanahashi last year when he was trying to get like pretty much everyone including ibushi <laughs> to like be on his side where he'd like be like ibushi you could be so much if you like followed me and stopped hanging around with kenny and it's like or like he did the same with like Paige and like uh yoshihashi and it's like it like it feels like ibushi's like trying to be the successor that tanahashi wants him to be by being tanahashi in a way i don't know yeah. It just it's just really weird. Um I I guess I like the double title thing a little more than you do, but I would like you know, I'm I'm glad you you like express this because I there are lots of other people who don't seem to like the double title thing at all. Um I think it's cool, but I I kind of wish that we were coming out of this show with more of a clear vision of like what exactly is going to happen. Maybe they will announce that tomorrow. There's, so I should mention, there's been like vague rumblings. I feel like I can talk about this publicly now since 
someone said it in the in the Super Jcast Discord. Damon mentioned it, and also uh, Sean Ross Sapp kind of reported it on Twitter. But basically, there's been vague rumblings that the um, post King of Pro Wrestling press conference will be like really big, and no one seems to know what that means. But that means like you know the, the exact quote that Damon posted in the in the Discord was like. Um, it will be, if we announce what it's going to be beforehand, it would be the biggest stream we ever did. So that to me says more, it's going to be more than just announcing what's going to happen to Dome. But they must have some kind of, I don't know if that means like a Roma return. I don't know if that means like some kind of signing. I've even seen like people speculating about like something with AEW. But, um, but yeah, I don't, so I don't know what that means exactly. But I would, maybe at the press conference they will announce like the, the contours of this a little more and it won't matter. But I really thought at the end of King of Four Wrestling, we would at least have it set in stone that, okay, there's going to be a heavyweight match on one four and an IC match. And the two winners will fight on one five. We haven't even set that in stone yet. I mean, all we have right now is, you know, the Okada Bushi for the heavyweight title that's set in stone. Like that's happening. But um, we don't have anything for the IC at one four yet, which I guess we won't, we're not going to know that till after power struggle, but like, we don't even really know for sure that the one five match is happening because Okada basically said he doesn't give a shit. So, I mean, he didn't say that, but he implied he didn't give a shit. So it's a very weird, I, I thought at this point we'd have more of a idea of what's definitely happening and that's not really the case yet. So I guess we'll see if anything happens at the press conference, if anything else gets announced afterwards. Uh, the Yahoo sports did break a few days before this, that like Taichi and Maito are going to fight a power struggle. Um, they seem That's to imply it'll be like some kind of IC. Yeah. yeah. And they seem to imply it'll be some kind of IC number one contendership match. So, you know, maybe it'll be a thing where like the winner of that for sure faces the winner of White and Goto. Um, but I would have liked to see them like a little more movement towards like setting in stone what's going to happen to Dome. It feels weird. It feels like we still have a weird amount of uncertainty after King of Pro Wrestling that you generally don't have for the Wrestle Kingdom because usually. You know, the tradition is after Wrestle Kingdom, you know the main event on 1-4. And I guess we technically do, but there's a whole other dome this year. Yeah. So it's just weird all around. Yeah. Wait, so I just realized it's totally possible for Tai Chi two belts. And now that is what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> tai Chi two belts could happen. True. If that doesn't um, happen, okay, so I'm, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to set fire to Ghetto's house if that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're doing that on purpose, but there was one say worth the wrestling podcaster who got in a lot of trouble for saying he was going to set uh, Shima's house on fire. Okay, so, I apologize. Uh, uh, I'll take that back. I I don't even know where Geta's house is. <laughs> I can't fly to Japan, so it's a threat that I completely can't even act on. <laughs> so I take that back. I'll just I'll just grumble about it on Twitter. You know, okay. I I, 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 I think I I can't get. I think I don't think I can get you in trouble if if I do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so there will be no one setting anyone's house on fire. Just no, 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 definitely not. It's, I don't want to go to jail. I'm kidding anyway, because it's like the people the people who like got really outraged at at uh, Milo for that were like people deliberately reading, you know, listening in bad faith, basically, or already hated him and wanted a reason to get upset. So, oh yeah, I know yeah. those kind of people. Yeah, I don't think I have anyone like that, <laughs> and I hope you don't have anyone like yeah. that. So, I probably, I probably do, but who knows? 
the semi-main. We haven't actually talked about the match yet. So Kota Bush and Evil. What do you think about this match? I just, I guess this is a problem that I've been having, but I found it really frustrating. Um, I guess this was something that was brought to my attention about the Ibushi and Kenta match um, by a friend of mine. Um, and she pointed out that Ibushi didn't get a lot of offense in that match and that it was like kind of focused around him just like taking a lot of damage and then like hitting all his like things and, and winning. And I thought this match kind of was the same thing, but obviously a lot better because there was no like stupid interference. It was like just a match. Um, so it was like on like that match, like it was like, you know, it was there isn't like the same like Ugh, this again, and so it was like enjoyable to watch. But it also like like when she, my friend pointed that out to me, I then like I kept thinking about that during this match, and it's like yeah, like even she doesn't really build up a lot of like offense. He kind of like hits a lot of like things to get evil further from him but evil's really the one who's in control and then you know he ibushi manages to pull it out which is a really bad way to like build up this guy that he can defeat okada because it feels like if he's like struggling against like kenta and evil like I don't know. Like, how is he gonna? He's how is he gonna look against Okada? And it's also just doesn't play to Ibushi's strengths at all, which are like, you know, he has amazing, spectacular, like really innovative offense that like really pops people, um, and he's not really getting to show that off. I mean, it might be partially the ankle thing, but even with that, like, he still has like you know, all his amazing striking and, you know, it's, it's just like, it was, it was really, you know, kind of frustrating to watch, but I mean, I think evil was really great in it at least. Like, I think, you know, watching evil, like get better and better and better. And like, I just like, I love him and I'm so excited that he's, you know, like getting to show really what he's about. As a, as a singles wrestler, like, as the years go on and how he keeps improving. So, you know, I guess that's how I feel about the match. <laughs> um, I was going to mention the, the, the thing you said, too, about the Abushi's offense being his best part. That's why I think the Naito, like, trilogy was, like, probably the best thing he's done this year because those matches were, so, like, much more back and forth. Yeah. And they both got to just do all the crazy shit. And that's, you can always tell that's like Coda's favorite kind of match where it's just like go out there and do like a ton of crazy shit for like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. So, yeah, like that's, that's why those were like probably his best friends. Like, you really like, it's really obvious to tell like when he's really, really into something because when he's like, like, it's, it was obvious with this match, he wasn't as into it as like, because he didn't have that like kind of. He has this, like, I guess really, how do I put it, like, mischievous kind of look on his face a lot of times, like, during those Naito matches where, like, he's like, oh, I'm going to do something completely dangerous and I'm so excited about it. But, you know, you can kind of see, like, at the same time, like, when he's just, you know, like, he's like, oh, whatever. 
you know, it's really obvious on his face because he's very expressive, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe I like this a little more than you. I th- even though it did get a little slow and boring in the middle uh, during like Evil's Heat section, I thought, you know, the early early portion was good. Um, there was like a spot where like Ibushi countered a Bronco Buster into a double stomp in the corner. That was like yeah. such a cool counter. Uh, yeah. Um, and then after after the heat section, it got really good again. We're like evil, just like no selling Ibushi's lariat was really badass, and that was like a part of a really great sequence. Um, and then there was like another really cool lariat where like Ibushi went for the bomb yay, but like evil just like destroyed him yeah. with the lariat. That was... And then, uh, but yeah, then Ibushi, like, I really like when he does, like, that cross-arm German and then tries to go from the Kamigoe into that. But, like, this time Evil countered that in, like, these two and a half Nelson Germans. And then Ibushi finally countered the Lariat attempting his own Lariat. Um, and then I thought the reversal sequence at the end went basically, like, just the right amount of time. It didn't drag, like, some of these reversal sequences do. But then Evil kicked out the Kamigoe, and, you know, the crowd was going nuts at that point. But then a second comic go, I got the win. So I liked it enough to go four stars flat. Um, it was definitely a, you know, I would say it was a really good match. It, it was just maybe missing a little something in the middle to be like, to get above four. And, you know, obviously I think this and the main, like the, the outcome being kind of a foregone conclusion was a little bit of an issue, but that's always an issue at this show, basically. So can't yeah. really do anything about that. But I think they did a better job like the crowd reacted more to this and to the main than they did to like, you know, remember two years ago where it was Okada and evil for the title and the crowd just didn't react at all for that match. Yeah. So there was definitely more of a crowd reaction here. So like, that probably says something about the, the work in there. So yeah, four stars, good, really good match. And, you know, I, I definitely think their G1 match was better though. I have to say that. Yeah. I would say that too. I like that one better. Uh, the U.S. title match, third from the top, Juice Robinson, Lance Archer. Uh, first of all, what the fuck was Juice Robinson wearing? Oh, I loved it. I loved this <laughs> okay. fashion. I love everything like, he wears. <laughs> it, was, it looked like a, some kind of like fuzzy Russian hat or something. It was like, so weird. It was. Uh, I, I thought it was really funny. It was like the part. It was, like, on the back, like, it started out really furry, but then the part over, like, his butt cheeks, like, the bottom of his butt cheeks was, like, just the regular fabric. So it kind of, like, looked like a weird heart shape around his butt. And that was, like, that was my favorite thing. I was, like, whoever designs his gear is honestly a genius. It's, like, every every time he comes out with, a new, with new gear, I'm, like, holy fuck. This is like I I just never thought that this would anyone would ever wear anything like this. I never even thought like of gear that could look like this and I'm honestly blown away. So he just I mean I'm glad someone is, you know, you know, it's all like New Japan like a lot of people kind of just wear like, you know, not just New Japan. I'd say in wrestling in general, a lot of people play it safe with gear, but he's always wearing something weird, and I really respect that. That's that's very fair. <laughs> but then, uh, 
So Lance Archer says that people paid to see a new D- no DQ match, so it's still going to be one. And Bush and uh, not Bushy, Juice is going to die in his murder mansion. So uh, okay, let me a little bit about this match. I guess I'll just say it flat out. I thought this was really disappointing. Um, you know, I've I've liked both guys a lot this year. I thought they both had really good G ones and stuff, but like this match, just like it was weird and slow and. Lance Archer took 10 years to set up like a million weapons. And I don't know. I mean, like maybe a walk and brawl and like, let me set up a million fucking chairs and tables and shit and put you through all of them very slowly. Like that, that like I expect to see on like a U.S. indie or something. I don't really expect to see that in a new Japan show. And, you know, the crowd didn't really seem to know what to make of it either. Most of the way. So I don't think the crowd, it didn't really work for the live crowd either. Um, I just he just took so long to like take off all four turnbuckle pads and then set up a chair here, another chair here, a table here, a table there. It's like I felt like I was fucking watching Hell in a Cell again, oh like the God. fucking fiend or something. And it wasn't that bad, but I'm like, it just like what what is it with all these weapons? So, um, but yeah, there was like very little heat for it. Uh, you know, the, the about the only thing I really liked. First of all, <laughs> there was like a at one point he pounces juice to the table. Which honestly, like that sounds a lot cooler, pouncing a guy through a table than I think it looked. It didn't look that cool. But then Juice gets right up. Like he yeah. takes the pounce through the table, and then two seconds later, uh, like they're they're both going hunting for more weapons under the ring. I'm like, okay, so you just got pounced through the table, which you know, which you should be selling like you just got killed, and then it's like, ah, here I go, more weapons now. I'm like, all right, that was really stupid. Um but yeah, so the, the about the only thing I liked about this match was the finish, where you know he just he does the blackout on the chairs for two, which looked cool, uh, and when he kicks out, he just goes nuts, like ramming his head in the chairs over and over again, and he puts the claw on and gets the pin. So the ending was cool enough that I tacked on like an extra quarter star, but I still thought it was like pretty disappointing and disjointed. So I only went uh, three stars flat on it, just not very good, you know. I mean, a good three stars is still like a good match and stuff, but like not like you know, for a, like a big throw from the top on King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I think I felt pretty much, like, the same. Like, I mean, like, I enjoyed it for, like, I guess what it was, but it was also, like, you know, yeah, it wasn't really something that was really my kind of match. Like, whenever I see weapons get pulled out in New Japan matches, I just, like, just start groaning and I get flashbacks to Bullet Club and how much I hated that so it's even with someone I really like like Archer it's kind of like I mean like you're you're a humongous dude you can just maul him you don't like really have to you know make all these contraptions like you can just pull out a chair and just start hitting him like you don't really need to 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 do this like it's always yeah I don't know like, it's sometimes, like, with those kind of things, it feels like they're trying to build the most ridiculous thing they could build instead of, like, building something that will help them win the match. And it's, like, that's fine. And, like, you know, something like PWG, like, where it is a little, like, goofy, but, like, doesn't really fit into New Japan, I guess. I, I totally agree. Um, and then after the match, of course, we got the... The big return everybody's been waiting for from the guy who's been on the shelf with an injury. David Finley returns <laughs> and uh, take help to save Juice and take Archer out with a stunner. 
and then a rope assistant stunner. I joke because of the Hiromu thing, but yeah. Dave Finley's return was pretty cool. The crowd, the crowd actually popped for it, and Finley looks like he's in great shape, and I'm excited to have Mr. Finley back. I'm excited. I'm a fan of his, and I'm hoping that he and Juice, you know, this means, of course, that they're going to do Tag League, because I really enjoy them as a tag team, and oh, I'm excited. I like him. You know, it's not as exciting as Hiromu, but like, I, literally nothing could be that exciting. So, you know, I and I assume I assume this means they're going to do Archer versus Juice maybe in San Jose or LA. So that'd be cool. Wait, Archer versus Juice? Oh, sorry, Archer versus Finley. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Archer are they Finley. doing it again? Yeah. yeah, Archer versus Finley should be good. So, yeah. Uh, match number six, it was Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi against Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro. Uh, don't really have a ton to say about this. It was just kind of a six-man. You know, it was fun. I, I went like three and a quarter on it. I enjoyed it, but like, you know, it was just kind of a big brawl on the floor. I, the, the funniest part was the start where like first Jay White begs off from fighting Goto and tags in Kenta, and then Kenta begs off from fighting Ishii and tags in uh, Yujiro. So we basically got the New Japan uh, True Born Fail Son Battle of Yoshi <laughs> and Yujiro, the two Fail Sons of New Japan. I, I, lo- I actually kind of like them both as like a as what they are, but like yeah, it's definitely like the two most recent disappointments from the dojo, I think. And it's like yeah. ah, let's fight to see who is uh who's the biggest loser. But then there was like a big brawl on the floor, and then uh you know there was like some. So they, I like the Ishii Kenta and Goto White exchanges which bodes well for the future singles matches. And then uh, Goto put Yujiro away at the GTR. And then Kenta and Ishii kept brawling afterwards. And JY continued to be a little, you know, a little baby and keep saying no over and over again to Goto. But something tells me that match is going to happen anyway. So, Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I just, I can't, I can't get into the whole Jay White thing. I feel like, I feel like everyone else, mm you know who gets it like i really want to i guess know what what they're seeing because like i feel like oh yeah his like character is really good and his promo is really good and then the match happens and i'm like i'm ready to go to sleep you know but i mean with this one because you know he's it was, it's not like you know it's a tag match and he's not in there the entire time like i can actually like you know enjoy his character a little bit more than I would in like a, a straight up, like very long singles match. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, thing that happened was fun to watch, you know, when it happened and, you know, isn't really going to stick in my memory for very long. So, yeah, which is what it's supposed to be. So I guess that's fine. Uh, match five, the junior heavyweight title, ELP and Osprey. Um, I'm interested to hear what you have to think about what you have to say about this one because my takes are going to get me in enough trouble anyway. So you might as well, uh, you might as well start. What do you think uh, of Osprey and Phantasmo? I don't think my takes are going to be much better than yours. Like I <laughs> normally would not watch a match with either of them in it, and I literally only did because I was I was like I'm going to be on the show, so I should be able to talk about the entire show. And it was basically what I expected, which is like, you know, nothing that was good. There's, there's just, I, I didn't like it at all. And it was, I did. Yeah. It's, it's just bad. 
I, uh, here's what I'm going to say about it. I'm going to be, I guess I'm even going to be a little nicer than you then, which I didn't expect, but I gave it like three and a quarter, which means, you know, there was some work I enjoyed. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was bad, but I've seen people be like, you know, four and a half stars on it, which is not remotely what I'm going <laughs> to give this match. My, my first problem. Okay. I'm going to, this is what I think honestly the biggest issue with the match was. So before this match, they do this big thing where El Fantasma was like, uh, I'm reformed now. I've changed my ways because of a typhoon, which, by the way, I don't know if I would use a fucking typhoon to kill, like we said, 37 people, whatever. I don't know if I'd use that as part of my wrestling storyline. It seems kind of stu- kind of like uh, stupid at best and poor taste at worst. But so, that's kind of El Fantasma in general, is <laughs> poor is kinda, taste. <laughs> that's true. But he's like, oh, I cleaned up the dojo, and I realized that my, my fighting style is nothing like theirs. It's like he's doing this big thing where it's like, oh, you know, he's going to try to fight clean. Which I'm like, okay, obviously he's a heel, and he doesn't really mean it. But you'd think that's going to be a major thing that's going to build into the match. But they fucking blew that off five minutes into the match i know it's like, like they blew it off with like an eye poke i'm like yes i didn't even notice at first i'm like oh he did an eye poke i didn't they like until like like kevin kelly or whoever like said that he did one i was like oh he did one i didn't i like it to me he was still just like you know pretending to be like you know good like then he like really went in with it, it you know like it's so stupid you know who else didn't get, didn't notice the the accidental eye poke or elbow of the eye, whatever the fuck? The fucking fans in the crowd, because they didn't react to any of this at all. Like, they had no idea what was going on. And somebody, I think I think it was Emily Pratt on Twitter who pointed this out. Because ELP put the entire thing in his notes app, um, like, if you're a Japanese fan, you could not even put that through Google Translate <laughs> easily. Yeah. So, like, they, there's probably most of the people in the crowd had no idea what the, the ELP even was like supposed to be like a non-cheater or why they just, so, so the entire early part of the match, it felt like it meant nothing to the live crowd. And they didn't react. I mean, this, this match struggled to re, to get a, a reaction at all in a way that, you know, I mean, and I'm never going to, you know, I don't, well, Ospreay, I like Will Ospreay. I don't think he's like bad or anything. I don't think he's like the greatest wrestler of all time either. The way some people do. Um, I'm a straight. I'm never going to be the one. Okay, so that's that's fine. Um, He's not my favorite either, so first of all. But like, Will Ospreay, I'm never going to come on here and argue he's not over. He clearly is over with with a lot of Japanese fans. I mean, I saw that firsthand when he beat Shingo uh, to win Best of Super Junior. Like, a lot of fans in in the crowd love Will Ospreay. Fine. This match is not over. (laughs) Like, this match, the crowd was not the end of the match for long stretches. And I think a part of that is, again, having doing too much in English, which for a Japanese audience, like the, the elite used to have this issue a lot where like, Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah, all these angles, all these angles on their show are in fucking English. So it's like you, the Japanese fans can't fan, the Japanese fans can't follow this easily. So of course they're not going to react, you know, to these fucking matches and this bulk club civil war storyline when they don't know what the fuck is going on. And here it's like, you know, this is obviously a much less, um, extreme version, but like they had no idea what the fuck was going on here because they don't, you know, if you don't read English, that ELP notes thing is just a big wall of text you don't understand. So it's a very, very, and plus it's an angle on Twitter too, which is always kind of yeah. Scary. I mean, <laughs> but, I think um, I think 
what he should do, what all these guys should do is they should be more like Mike Bailey and like put everything in Google Translate and then have that voice read it back in garbled Japanese. <laughs> yes. Remember the look on his face too when <laughs> the voice is Oh, I love that segment. Oh god, I love that. Um, but yeah, so then Os- I will say Osprey tossing ELP right into Gino was really funny. Like just out yeah. of nowhere, just talk to Ben. That was like probably the best part of the match. Um, and, and then Gino acted like, like a human there. shield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like I being feel... Mr. Human Shield to give yeah. give him time to recover. Yeah, what I feel like, like other people did things in this match that were interesting, but <laughs> not the two actual competitors. Like I thought the bit with like Ishimori and Eagles, I liked. Like that was the only thing I really yeah. like liked. I was like, oh, I want to watch a match between those two. I don't want to watch these other guys, you know. <laughs> you know. Give, uh, I will say it was kind of nuts. It... I was just gonna <laughs> say it's kind of, it was kind of nuts when they're up on the balcony. At least that was like something. I guess. I guess. <laughs> you don't even see that impressed with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like. You know, at that point, it's like, because it it felt like they were trying really, really hard to get people to care by doing dangerous things. But, like, you know, like, you shouldn't, if you have to rely on, like, spots like that to get people to care, then the match is already, like, lost on the crowd. Like, you should do that as a way to highlight a match that people already like or that at least has some importance. Whereas this is just kind of like a filler defense on like King of Pro Wrestling. Like no one cares. Like no one cares about ELP. So, you know, they're all like sitting there like maybe Hiromu will come out afterwards. You know, no one's no one's thinking about ELP. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, that's what I was thinking too. So, yeah. Um, you know, definitely the entire time. Like maybe, maybe Hiromu will come out. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the let me see what else here. Anything else in the match? The the the, the barricades. They, I mean, the part on the balcony was cool. Um, you know, he did dive down, did the dive off the balcony, which was cool. Um, so like some cool spots are why I went like three and a quarter. But like the end again felt like massive, like overload and just overdoing it. Where like yeah. you know we, we do like the oh I, I had to mention a spot I thought was really stupid looking. The fucking eyes cutter they did. Where basically Osprey's on the guardrail, um, and ELP's on the apron, and Osprey leaps into the air and hits the Oz cutter on ELP, like onto the, onto the floor. That sounds cool in when I describe it, but it looks fucking stupid, especially yeah. in slow motion because because ELP has to like jump into his arms, I like know. he has to he has to make a conscious decision to jump off the apron to get hit with this move. Like, why do you just not jump? It just looks fucking stupid. It does look too stupid. It's like, I always, I always feel like with Osprey matches, it's really good when someone like doesn't sell Osprey's like bullshit, but it doesn't, that doesn't happen enough. Like people are always just like, yeah, I'll do it. Meanwhile, Osprey like doesn't sell other people's bullshit. So, like, why people keep being like, yeah, we'll do this ridiculous move with you. Meanwhile, you'll just pop out of, like, the paradise lock like it's nothing, you know? It's like, like he's ridiculous. He's just, like, he he just has no, like, 
I don't know. Like I saw this tweet that just talks about how like um like kind of like how it's hard to like buy into a character when they're just doing all of this like video game shit because like you can't like sympathize with a character who's just you know who 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 you can't like buy into their pain like there's no connection between like the moves they're doing and like their like actual body like their actual like like it's yeah they just feel like a video game character it's like you can't really care about someone who does that it's like you know yeah. and it's like what is, what is his character like he feels like the worst of the the Kenny like best bout machine era where it's like it doesn't even feel like he has a character per se. It's just more like I'm this like vessel for having the best possible matches all the time. That's all I care about. And it's like, like what, what does Will Ospreay care about? Like, I wish at some point Will Ospreay would tell us like why he started carrying around a samurai sword. Because like, <laughs> if, if you really want to lead into like, like if his character is going to be him leading into like being a weeb or something, the way Kenny's was sometimes, that would at least be something. I don't think I don't think Osprey has the capacity to be as like self-deprecating as like Kenny does. Like Kenny is obnoxious, but he's like willing to make a fool of himself for entertainment purposes. Whereas like Osprey clearly just like he's just like he thinks he's very cool and he thinks that he he just buys into his own hype in a way that's like not even like interesting like over the top like self-absorbed like diva type he's just like deeply uncool yeah he's just like he's like he's like only a he's like a slightly less irritating seth rollins <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it i guess <laughs> um but yeah so then we got like a bunch of like belt stuff um ELP hits like a big splash after like a million run-ins and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, like at that point, like Phantasmo, I guess, like he he go he hits like a Styles Clash, which only gets two, and this is like where it really starts to feel overdone to me. And then like, you know, he hits like a V trigger. And then and goes to the one winged angel because I guess the idea is he is like trying to not like trying to use all the bullet club leader stuff. But again, it just feels like really overdone. Like really like yeah. I don't know. Like at this point, it feels like the match should be over already. Also, he didn't do a bloody Sunday. Didn't he? Didn't do he didn't a bloody do, Sunday, right? Yeah, like he, he's he weirdly like we, this is like Prince Devitt erasure or something. Yeah, and it's like Prince Devitt <laughs> is like the only one who was like leader while a junior. So wouldn't it make more sense if he's a junior? But I don't know. It's like yeah. it's like that callback doesn't mean anything. Like, what's the point of it? Like, you know, like callbacks are cool when they seem to have like like a purpose, but this is just like doing it for like I guess some sort of like nostalgia at an attempt at like some sort of like nostalgia pop or something that just didn't work because you know, people were yeah. like, checked out well, by that. Well, like Kenny doing the Styles Clash always made sense to me because it's like he he literally took AJ Styles out of the Bullet Club and out of New Japan. So yeah. when Kenny would do the Styles Clash, it's almost like, well, I'm using this move for this guy that I vanquished. ELP has no connection to Kenny or to AJ. Yeah, so, like like there's like there's no storyline reason to use them, those moves. Um, 
But yeah, Osprey at this point he hits like a flipping DDT thing, which just gives another two count. And I was really like begging for this to end. And you know, he, he turns the top rope Brandon into a power bomb and he hits the hand blade and finally hits the stormbreaker for the pin. And it definitely had that like thank God this is over kind of feeling to me. Which even though this was shorter than the main event, I, I think it went, let me see what the time was. Uh, I, I still think it went way too long for the spot in the car, but yeah, it went twenty seven fifty eight, so it didn't even go thirty, but it felt like it was an hour. So yeah, you know, definitely dragged. Uh, I I was at three and a quarter is what I gave it for some cool spots, but definitely, uh, I, I you know I'm not gonna be on the same page as the people going four plus. So yeah, I like honestly, I do not get the Will Osprey hype at all. I don't understand, like. Like, I said that with, like, Jay White, but at least with Jay White, it's like, okay, he is, like, a really good character. He's really good at promos. Like, I can kind of see, like, I guess a little bit of it. But with, like, Osprey, he doesn't have anything, like, that interests me at all. Like, he's just, the his moves are just convoluted. His selling is, like, obnoxiously irritating. His promos are bad. His character is stupid. I'm like, I hate this guy. I hate it. Well, not like as a person, but like as a wrestler. Like, I don't want to watch him. I just, you know, I don't want to watch him. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to be accused of being the most negative Osprey person on this episode. I guess that's good. But people, people like really have it as a as a meme that I hate Will Osprey. I don't hate Will Osprey, but. I I hate Will Osprey. There you go. I I am. Uh, ambivalent on Will Ospreay, I guess, to the point where I, there's definitely matches I, I really enjoy of his, and there's other matches where a lot of other people really like it, really like it, and I don't really get it. Like the, the this one was a good a good one, obviously, and the like the Tanahashi one from the end of the G1, where it's like Osprey just like just, just could not sell the leg at all, and I'm like that's the entire point of the match. So <laughs> why are people praising this match? I don't understand. But anyway, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, match number four, Minoru Suzuki against Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, Suzuki wins in seventeen thirty eight with the Got Style Pile Driver. Um, so this is this is a weird one because I think I'm gonna like I, I think the criticism I've seen the most uh, levied at this match is it you know they built up the Death Feud and they did they started on the mat. I don't know if that's entirely fair because a lot of the point of this match was like. You know Suzuki. Like what started this whole feud in the first place was they they had a fight in, pa- in Pancrase, obviously, and they were yeah. supposed to have another fight. When L- Liger said, "Give me a couple years," and it never happened. So I almost thought them starting on the mat was like their weird way of saying, "Like, yeah, we want to kill each other as we build up throughout this feud." But like, this is why we want to kill each other in the first place because we were supposed to have this fight and it never happened. It's so, like two people who wanting to, like, I don't know. It still felt intense to me. It felt like they were, yeah trying to see who could one up the other one on the mat it didn't feel like you know they they said they were going to kill each other and they did a headlock or something like they still you know it was this, this like weird like one up teasing each other kind of like they're like yeah you think you can beat me so you know like it still felt like yeah there's still like a lot of emotion to it like early on and i like that it kind of started out like that because um i just thought it was more interesting to do that than like and more in character i guess for someone like suzuki who really is all about like you know killing people with submissions 
So it makes sense that he'd want to yeah. like choke the life out of Liger and that Liger would, you know, kind of want to do the same back and that they'd, you know, tussle eventually until like they kind of get to the point where they're like, you know, I'm, I, I just want to kill you. You know, I thought yeah. I liked it. I mean, it's not like they didn't do the brawl stuff. Yeah. What? I liked it too. I was going to say, it's not like they didn't do the brawl stuff eventually. But like yeah. you said, they built they built up to it in the course of the match. Like I don't think they had to start immediately like swinging chairs. I think it was okay to because Liger in the build up, even though they said they're going to kill each other, like one of Liger's critiques was like, you know, why do you just want a street fight? Why you know you, you can see that in Shinjuku, like this is supposed to be, um, you know, pro wrestling. And Suzuki, it almost felt like, you know, he want he had this weird thing where he wanted to see. Yamada, right? He didn't want to see Liger. And when Liger came out with the battle Liger mask where you can, you can see more of his face, I think it almost was like, well, you know, this is this is pretty much what I wanted. So Suzuki got what he wanted and he gave Liger what Liger wanted and they had an actual wrestling match for a while. So I thought that was fine. Um, but then Suzuki beat the shit out of him with a chair, so they did eventually get to that and he started tearing at the mask you know, a lot. Um Liger got his brain buster for like a really close near fall. The crowd actually bought that as a as a pin, which would have been something if Liger pinned Suzuki. Uh, there yeah. was this awesome, awesome strike exchange where Suzuki just kept telling Liger to bring it more and more and more. Oh, um, I was getting so excited! I like watching. It. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wanted like you know, like I wanted to see like Liger really like just stun the fuck out of Suzuki. Like, <laughs> my seat. And then, uh, you know, Suzuki, and I like the end that Suzuki just hit the God Stop Power Driver and pinned him because it's like, look, Liger's retiring. He's a junior against heavyweight. He's not supposed to win this. I like that they didn't, like, try to do a bunch of bullshit. It was just, you know, sometimes no matter how much you want the old guy to win, the old guy just can't win. So yeah. That's what happens. Um, and then, you know, Suzuki at the end, we got like that. At the match itself, I should say, I gave four stars. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, they're both. They're both up there in age, so like there were still parts where it was a little bit slower, but I still thought it was an excellent match. Um, The post-match where Suzuki takes a chair and takes out a young lion, but then teases hitting Liger with it and instead throws it down and like gets down his knees and bows to him. That was such an awesome moment. I love that. Liger Liger said thank you, and you could tell people in the crowd were like clearly crying. Yeah. So that was just a really cool moment. Yeah, I was definitely, like, when that happened, like, I was kind of, like, a little, like, I was, like, I was, like, in a way, like, kind of, like, shocked, and it took me, like, a moment to really, like, fully appreciate the, what happened, because I was just, I wasn't expecting that at all, and it was, like, such a great moment that I was, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because I was, like, still, <laughs> you know, because it's, like, it's one of those things that's, like, where... You know, wrestling sometimes can be a bit like you know what's going to happen, and that can kind of be what's fun about it. Is that like you're like really excited, you're like waiting for like the build, you're like watching the build up to something that you know is going to be amazing. But then, like when wrestling like truly surprises you in like a good way, it's like holy crap! It's like and that was that was just like. Like I and I love that it was like violent, like too, because he still like you know beat up the young lions, like you know who wasn't who wasn't like going against who he was. It was still very very Suzuki way to go about showing respect to Liger. So, yeah, I loved it. Uh, and 
I, I did really love it too. It was a, it was a great moment. And he, you know, he's like you say, he still beat up the young lion even when he's showing the respect. So it made a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. The first few matches we don't have to talk a ton about because they were just, they were tags. Uh, the big thing was, first of all, the third match, Naito Shingo against Taichi and Doki. Um, I don't know why, but Kevin Kelly, when Doki came out, and he, the way he just called him this lunatic Doki, and then said, like, you're out of your mind, sir. Like, I laughed so hard at that. I don't know why, but he's, like, he's very, like, outraged at Doki and his lead pipe. <laughs> it was, like, very funny. Um. Taichi, and then the other thing I know too is like Taichi like held the ropes open for Naito again, and they have like, uh, and then he like kept checking Naito's waist for the IC belt, and, like pointing at it, and, like pointing at the lack of it, and like patting him down. They have like really big like married couple who love to fight energy. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it's like it's like foreplay for the something. I know, I love it. it. Is, uh... like, I I their dynamic is so good. Like all of their matches. Are are just full of like just keep building and building on that and like get more and more amazing each time to me. I guess like I love I love it. Almost it almost feels like they have to. I almost feel like they have to team someday. I don't know why. It it really feels like they have to be a tag team someday. Like Taichi has to join Lij. Yeah. Or like Um, begrudgingly, they have to like team for some reason. Be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but they had great chemistry here, I thought, in this match. And the, then it didn't go that long. No, it ended nine minutes. Uh, Taichi, like, nailed Shingo at the mic stand for the blatant DQ. Then he nailed the ref. And then Naito came in. And Naito thought him nailing the ref was, like, the funniest fucking thing he ever saw. Like, he was, like, laughing about it, which I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, he does convince Taichi to put the mic stand down. But then Taichi, like, lays out Naito and Shingo without the mic stand. Like, he... He gives Naito a huge backdrop. He gives Shingo a huge super kick. And, you know, and I really like when they like let Taichi, you know, just like bust loose on his, without needing to cheat or anything. Like yeah. get against Ishii at the end of the G1 too. Yeah. Um, but then he he hits Naito with the mic stand. Uh, he gives him the huge last ride. And then he has Doki count a pin for him, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, and he tells Naito that he tells Naito he's weak, and then he says. You know, he just couldn't get it done, but he will, and he can just shut up and leave it to him. So now Taichi is going to be Taichi two belts, apparently. Yes. Yes. So that was the post match, the, the big post match angle. Yeah. Uh, match two, which was Tanahashi and Homa beating Makabe and Yano, when Tanahashi pinned Yano in nine forty three at the high fly flow. Uh, the only big thing here to note, it was a very like average match, was like. You know, there was no angle with Jericho or anything because, you know, that's apparently, you know, according to Sports Illustrated, that's the match for Wrestle Kingdom, Tanahashi and Jericho. And there was not, there was like no, I, I figured Jericho wasn't going to be there, but I thought maybe there'd be like a video message, but there was nothing. Yeah. So the big thing was Watara in a way being there. So, that, I mean, that was cool, though. That was cool. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was a match that happened. I'm not really a, a huge fan of either member of GBH. So it's kind of just for me, like, oh, cool. I like Tanahashi, like Yano. They're not really doing much, but it's nice to see them, you know? Yeah. Basically. Uh, and then the first match, the El Desperado comeback, it was changed to a regular tag match. Uh, Desperado and Kanemaru beat Rapunky 3K when Desperado pinned show with the Pinche Loco in 1044. Uh, first of all, Desperado was wearing 
the shirt he was wearing when his jaw was broken, like covered in his own blood. Like this man is so fucking extra. Yeah, I <laughs> love like, it. Why, is he, I why love is he wearing? Why is he wearing his bloody shirt when his, his jaw broken? It's just so funny. It's I I love it. I have friends <laughs> who are like super 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 into Despy, and like I always see I'm like they're reading too much into it sometimes, and then I like I actually see Despy, and I'm like. No, they're not. Not really. He really is kind of like, you know, a bit ridiculous, you know, with, you know, all of this stuff. So it was nice to see him back. I love him and Kanemaru as a team. So, yeah, me too. They have like really, really, really cool energy. Yeah. Like the, the drunk uncle and his weird fake Mexican friend. <laughs> yeah. uh, at one point, he like faked another jaw injury to lure in Froggy 3K, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Like, why would you ever believe this man when he like pretends to have a hurt jaw? It's like when Abushi believed him that he was a baby face when he first showed up. His his name is like the Desperado. <laughs> like, he has a very evil looking mask. I don't think you should. Uh, challenge or you know, uh, trust him, Coda, but Coda but, did trust him, yeah. It's Coda. We're, no, no one's no one's you know, praising uh, Coda for really for his like you know, mind, so <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, he pinned Shota, he pinned show here with the after the whiskey spit from Kanemaru and then did like a big right hand and then hit the pinche loco. It's a very solid opener. And yeah. that's King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I thought it was a good show. Um, maybe a little disappointing, but like not, um, you know, not like terribly disappointing or anything. But definitely a million times better than last year. Yeah, I thought it was really good, and obviously, yeah, a lot better than last year. I mean, like literally, the main event could have like just been like Okada like fighting like I don't know like in. Sonata stuffed bear and it would have been a better show so <laughs> uh but yeah so that was king of pro wrestling now the next thing for new japan is the the junior super junior tag league which we don't have to go into that here because we've already run a while here but i do want to mention it because i have a preview up on voices of wrestling.com uh the super junior tag league preview i wrote just went up so you can go check that out. The NJPW Super Junior Tag League 2019 Preview and Predictions. I go into all eight teams and their record in the the previous uh, single elimination tournament and the league. Uh, the interesting thing about it is there's only two teams from last year that, that are back. Yeah. Uh, just, for, just for Pungi 3K and, um, you know, Desperado and Kanemaru. Everybody else is a brand new team, including the, the current junior champions of uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori. But... I think Rapunky 3K is going to win. I don't know if you feel any differently, but it just feels um, like it's set up. Yeah, I feel like it. they're going to win. I mean, maybe there's like a small chance for like the, what's it? What are they called? The, the, the Osprey and Eagles one, yeah. and Or yeah. maybe, maybe like even a little bit more distant, um, Kanemaru and Desperado, but. Yeah, I think it, I I can't see it not being for Punky 3K. Like, definitely feels like the junior tag division is. I don't know. I feel like it's being phased out in a way now that like Rapunky 3K are fighting God and stuff. It's like I'm wondering if they're just gonna like unify the tag divisions or I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, 
I think I think the Tidermans are probably safe for now, but I guess we'll say. Um, I, I figured that was probably a one-time thing, but maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's the beginning of the end or something. Yeah, I, I hope mean, they keep it separate. Really? Because I like I feel like it should be. I like it better. Like the idea of it just being mm. unified. The problem I found with that is I, I worry the junior-sized teams will get lost in the shuffle. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah, that's right. And think about it like that. Yeah. I just felt like. Because both tag divisions, I feel like, are kind of, like, always dominated by, like, one or two teams. It would kind of, like, I guess, provide more interesting matches. But, yeah, like, definitely the juniors will, you know, suffer. Yeah. But, so that's the next thing. That starts only in two days from now, uh, on Wednesday. So, not a lot of time before the junior tag league starts. And the, the first matches are all at Cork. The first two shows are at Cork and Hall. They're all in live. So Wednesday has your Punky 3K against Deathwing Kanemaru, Birds of Prey against Fantasmo and Ishimori, uh, Taguchi and Romero against TJP and Clark Connors, and Volador, <laughs> Volador and Titan against Tiger Mask and Yuya Uimura. Um, the second day at Korokin has your Punky 3K against Birds of Prey, Fantasmo and Ishimori against Desperado and Kanemaru. That actually might be my most anticipated match of the two days because I kind of think like the heel sleaze teams up against each other could be really fun. Yeah. Um, Vol- Volador and Teton against TJP and Connors and Taguchi and Romero against Tiger Mask and Uimura. So some good stuff there. We'll mm-hmm. see. And then there's a lot of VOD shows after that with like only one one match. And then we go back to Korokin on the 27th and 28th. And then of course it wraps up back with the top two teams meeting each other at Power Struggle on November 3rd. So We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, let's. We're already gone like two hours, so we can wrap it up. But I guess I did say we talk about AEW a little bit. If you want to like give very brief thoughts, I guess on the first two weeks of TV. I don't know what do right. you think. It's. I think you're someone who watched both of them. Yeah, I watched both episodes of AEW so far. Um. I guess I kind of got what I expected, which was, you know, I really love the women and the men's single division, not quite as excited by. Um, I think the big thing for me that I guess I was really into was that people were really supportive of like new talent, like with like Riho and Nyla and then with Private Party. Um, I think that was really awesome. Uh, to see that people actually are excited about seeing something new and it's not just like a bunch of like elite fanboys who like only want to talk about the elite because that's what elite fanboys seem to be to me when they were like in New Japan like they never wanted to talk about like the rest of New Japan but I don't know maybe there that's like a real minority and there's enough people who just want an alternate American wrestling program that actually are excited for new talent. So, yeah. The, 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 my thing with the first two weeks, I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I think the highlights so far are clearly the women's division and the tag division. I think those are like the two standout things where both of the two best matches each week, week one, the best match was clearly uh, Nyla and Riho and then week two, the best match was Young Bucks and Private Party. Yeah. Um, you know, both were like three and three quarter level. Um, the men's singles division, like the that's the biggest issue I have with AEW, where like I just don't like enough of those wrestlers to really like 
carry an entire division. And, you know, like there's there's some stuff that was pretty good on both weeks, but like there was also like, um, you know, week one at P- Hangman Page and Pac was just like, you know, like a three and a quarter star match. Uh, Cody and Sammy was like surprisingly good, but that's still like, you know, three and a half lap star level. And then like week two, you know, where the men's singles division, I think, really dried things down is like, you know, Darby and Jimmy Havoc. I love, I actually really like Darby. But Jimmy Havoc's a bad pro wrestler. And oh, I, I, I feel like the exact same way. Like, I really, you know, I'd never seen Darby Allen previous to him being in AW, and I'm already really liking him. But Jimmy Havoc just gives me secondhand embarrassment, and <laughs> I don't like watching him. Yeah. So like, maybe him and Jericho will be good next week, but I did not like that match. And like, and then Moxie and Sean Spears, it's like, like they have they have to get over Sean Spears. They have to stop with this fucking ten guy push. And mm-hmm. I've heard people say, "Oh, he's just a mid carder. It's fine." It's like he shouldn't even be going fifty fifty with John Moxley. I know, he looks stupid. He's a bad wrestler. Like there's people on the roster who like like men wrestlers who haven't even been on the show yet. Yet I keep having to watch fucking Sean Spears, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> care about this guy. Like I like I love Moxley and like you know everything but that match was just so boring like i just when like kenny came out i was like oh good oh good something exciting is gonna happen with moxley <laughs> you know i'm like i don't have to i he, now he's coming out with, like totally blanchard and everything it's like they're really trying so hard to make him seem like a big deal and it's like he isn't no one cares he's, he's fucking 10 guy no one cares <laughs> um I mean, I I liked both shows overall. I'm going to keep watching. I think just I was a little bit surprised by the level of praise for week two because that show it's like that show started really well because like the private party on Bucks match was really good. And I thought the Jericho promo was really good, but then it, like it fell off a cliff for a long time after that because again it was like Darby Allen against uh, what the fuck's his name Jimmy Havoc, and then. You know, the, the Joshi match, was, which was not as good as the week before the tag match, mostly because Britt Baker is very bad. Oh, man. Um, I was I was so <laughs> pissed off that they didn't give Emi Sakura, like, a real, um, like, intro. Like, yeah. you know, instead I had to watch, like, the stupid, like, B Priestley intro. And I'm like, I hate, I hate her. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch her. I'm like, why can't you? It's like, it's like, Emi Sakura is like, you know like a like a like legendary wrestler and then be priestley's like no one gives a fuck i mean i guess some <laughs> people do for some reason it's, i don't know yeah then then mock then moxie spears so that's like those three matches back to back to back that wasn't good and that was like the very boring middle portion the main event the tag match was pretty good but again like you know like three and a quarter level so Overall, like if I was going to score these two shows, like week one, I would give like a nine. Like I thought week one was a pretty, pretty gigantic success. And the only reason why I wouldn't give it a 10 is because that the thing in the main event where like Moxie ran out and attacked Kenny, like right in front of the ref, that was really stupid. But uh, and it wasn't a disqualification, I mean. Yeah. So, so like that's about the only thing keeping it from a 10. Week two, I'd only give like a six out of 10. It was still a, you know, it's still called a good show, but like I, I don't want to go through periods like that whole middle portion again, where it's like, you know, three matches in a row that are all pretty bad. Yeah. So I think I, um, I, I think I pretty much would give it the same. Yeah. 
So, and, you know, may, that's also why if they could make a deal, because Tony Khan apparently was complaining about this recently. Like, we oh, we send a lot of our wrestlers to, eight, to New Japan. It'd be nice if they could send some back. First of all, buddy, you gave them contracts that say they can go work New Japan. So it's yeah. not you sending anybody. But anyway, um, I, I, if, if they could get, like, you know, random New Japan people on their show, that would go a long way because I think the the big problem they have right now is a lack of like wrestling talent, especially in like the the sing the male singles division. So if they could like you know if you replace Sean Spears with like you know Kota Ibushi or something on like a random episode, obviously the, the talent level will go way higher. Yeah, but so, if you put Kota Ibushi on a random episode, <laughs> I think Kenny would have like a heart attack and not be able to be on the show. So I don't know how that would go. <laughs> but like yeah. they have anybody. I mean, they have a, a deal with DDT, so don't they? Like, there's something going on with DDT. So, you know, I don't know why they can't, you know, just be like, here, why have Sean Spears when you could have, like, Tetsuya Endo or something? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the big... Whatever they do, they need to do something to, like, bring up the talent level of those, like, the, the male singles roster. I think that that's the big flaw right now. Because I think... You know, the production stuff is really, it's really cool. And just having an American television show that's like, American wrestling television show that's like shot by normal people again, it's really nice. Like, Like, it's not like bang, 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 camera, camera changes. And like, announcers screaming at you and like all that shit. So that, like their biggest weakness, or their biggest, like, not weakness, their biggest strength is how bad WWE is. Like they're starting, <laughs> they're starting with like such a huge advantage because the bar on American television television wrestling is like underground at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a big advantage. So you know, when you compare it to WWE, I totally get why people are just acting like it's the best show that's ever aired. So I, you know, I totally understand that, and I'm not trying to take it down for anybody if they if they think it's like the greatest thing they've ever seen. Um, you know, and I, and it, even with my complaints with like some of the roster and like some of the, and that kind of thing, I'm still going to keep watching. I'm still excited to watch it each week so far. Oh yeah. So they're, they're, they're clearly doing something right. But if I had any complaints, I would like to see like, you know, just better, like a better roster, I guess is the best complaint I have. Yeah. I'd like to see more with like, like the women, like one of my big issues with WWE is it feels like, with the women, like, outside of, like, the title scene, like, nothing happens or it's, like, just really catty storylines. So I guess I'd like to see maybe a more even balance between, like, men and women. You know, that would really feel like a big difference mm-hmm. and a big improvement from WWE. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like, otherwise, yeah, i just, like, like to see maybe, yeah, more of, a bigger roster, better roster, you know. I already have a lot of great people, but I mean, it's pretty good so far, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, a nine and a six—that's uh, you know, those are two good, two good numbers. I mean, it's not like that's a bad, it's bad numbers, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I hope they, I hope they just don't have a stretch of matches like they had. This past week again. That's my my big ask of them is please do not put Jimmy Havoc and Sean Spears in single <laughs> matches anymore. 
Oh, God. Uh, anything else to say, I guess, about the first two weeks of AEW? Um. Oh, what's with, like, the whole Jack Swagger thing? Why? I don't get that. I don't get. I'm like, nobody wants to watch him, but he's here. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, at least they shut down that fucking uh, We the People shit. Yeah. But it's still like, uh, you know, it's kind of annoying to see, like, have, like, Cody say, like, oh, I, we're not going to just be, like, any ex-WWE guy who's frustrated can come here. And then, like, the big shocking debut at the end of episode one is, like, an ex-WWE guy that wasn't even, like, someone who was, like, super over or whatever, like, the way, like, Moxley was. You know, it's just, like, a, a random mid-carder guy. Woo. Yeah. You know. I'm getting breaking news, by the way, as we're on the air. Mike Bennett requested his release from WWE. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. It's a very... What were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying, honestly, if they put, like, if I was given the cucking storyline, I would (laughs) immediately request to leave. Be like, no amount of money (laughs) to let me to do this. Can you believe they have two cucking storylines at once? Oh my god. I I I explained this to my younger brother who like he's like this hipster type who like not into wrestling. And when I said there's two cucking storylines, the look on his face was like it was like he he's never seen anything more horrifying <laughs> in his life. Can I'm you like, imagine just like being like there's one cucking storyline is not enough? We have to have two. <laughs> we have to have two. Like how can uh, how can people defend WWE when they're like actively I, trying to get people like to make fun of them? It feels like it's like it feels like they're testing their diehard fan base. Yeah, I mean that that fucking Shorty Gable thing, which I think oh the God. Shorty Gable was like. That was like the ultimate, like, we want to see what people, how far can we go and people will still defend it. It was like, let's take this really good wrestler with an Olympic background and give him a fucking name about how short he is and see if people will defend it online. Like, if I said this on Twitter, but like, if, yeah, they do, they do. People do defend it. Like, look, I said this on Twitter. If you are online defending Shorty Gable, you should be checking yourself into a fucking clinic for Stockholm Syndrome. Like, put down the fucking keyboard and get yourself some help. Because that's like, what you need at this point. Literally, the only excuse for that is if these people are, like, being paid, like, a lot of money by Vince McMahon. <laughs> Not just, like, any amount of money. Like, it has What's to be, like, <laughs> you know, like... an more than enough money to live on. Like, it has to be something (laughs) so ridiculous. Like, it has to be, like, Saudi money, basically, to get me to buy (laughs) that people are defending this. Yeah. I don't know. It's something. Shorty Gable. (laughs) But yeah, Mike Bennett, Mike Bennett and his, 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 uh, his thing... Basically said he his the reason why he's quitting is because he wants to go work thirty minute matches in front of UK German and Japanese crowds. So uh, I don't know. I hope I don't know if I really need to see Mike Bennett in a thirty minute match in Japan anytime soon. But maybe that's coming if he gets released. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, 
And look, any anything has to be better than the cuck storyline. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess sometimes he just woke up one day and was like, "Wait a second, uh, <laughs> I don't. This isn't good." Yeah, it's like it's just like one of those situations where it's like, I guess it's like he became so used to it that he forgot that he didn't have to do this, and then like I can't imagine how much amazing it must have felt when he realized that he could quit, like. That must be the most freeing feeling. Like, I don't have to be this miserable anymore. I can yeah. leave. It's really it's really something, man. I don't I don't even know like what to say anymore about WWE at this point, but it's something. It's something, yeah. Uh so I guess that's a good place to wrap up. I didn't ask for questions this time because uh, you know, the First, like asking for questions would have basically been spoiling myself. <laughs> the only <laughs> show we're covering, or the show I hadn't watched yet. So we can wrap it up here. I guess really quickly. Uh, remember to we have a new channel on the v- Voice Wrestling Discord, which just opened up. If you want, if you're listening to this and you want to talk to me or to other guests or like you know other listeners, so that's a cool place to hang out. Also on the Super Jcast Discord, um, you know you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling didn't fit. And that's pretty much it. Why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter account, Haley? Oh, yeah. Um, you can follow me at uh, it's Chwery Colored, C H O E R R Y, and then Colored spelled the British way. Uh, make sure you put. Can you explain? The, oh. Can you explain that handle for me? Because I've always wondered what is okay. that handle? So originally, my online handle just everywhere was Cherry Colored, which is from a song by the Cocktoo Twins, who are my favorite band. Um, but I ended up changing it because um, I guess Cherry, like spelled like that, is the stage name of a member of the Korean girl group Luna, Stan Luna, of course. Um, and so I'm a big fan of theirs. And I just thought it would be fun to kind of add that, you know, it didn't really change the name that much. So that's basically it. Uh, I'm glad, I don't know why you mentioned this made me think of this, but if anyone listening uh, is into like, I guess, Japanese idol music, definitely check out the new Jarena Soul album. I don't know if you've heard it yet. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, it's the her album's called Privacy. It's like the uh, former guest Taylor actually brought it, it was the one who brought it up to me because he's like this album is so weird because like the first three songs sound like they're like Japanese light FM or something which they <laughs> totally do and it's really weird. But then once you get past those first three songs, the rest of it is like much more typical like idol J-pop. But it's really really good. Like there's a couple songs that you will never be able to get out of your head. Once you hear them, so oh I just yeah, listen to the Robert. That's my favorite kind of music, J-pop, so. that I can't get out of my head. <laughs> so you should check out Privacy then. There you I go. will. Uh, and if you're listening too, check out Privacy. Um, I don't get paid for this, so I'm <laughs> plugging it, plugging it anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's also like the that was that's the for a wrestling connection. That's like the idol who's like friends with Kenny Omega too. So yeah, um, but. Um, I don't. I guess they're still friends. I don't know. 
didn't say uh, probably yeah i mean there's a lot of i guess idol connections with with wrestling i guess yeah. which is really interesting like okada is married to like similar. one of my favorite idols and then like there's kenny in the bang dream commercials a lot of i don't know it's cool though love like idol wrestling crossovers see now you could you should you should go manage oka when oka goes for revenge against okada for stealing his waifu I know. I know. <laughs> I, I I need to do that. <laughs> the two of you can go for events together. Yeah, we can we can cosplay her character her like her characters too. Like he's gonna dress up as Umi from Love Live, like in this the whole entire like little idol outfit and I guess I'll find I'll find something to wear another another Love Live outfit to wear and we'll we'll match. <laughs> It'll be great. There you go. But because uh, Oka just returned, if people aren't aware, he just showed up and uh, he showed up in Ref Pro and won their tag titles, actually. Yeah. Kind of cool. So, all right, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a another draft episode. So that'll be, um, you know, that'll be the next episode. We're, we, we haven't done a draft all year. So we're just, we're not doing a whole draft series this year. We're doing like just like a one time. Um, worldwide draft just to do one this year i mean honestly just because i couldn't think of anything else for next week like <laughs> there's not a lot going on this week i didn't want to just talk about the junior tag league so next week the draft returns the first worldwide draft the only draft episode of the of the week um have andrew rich and paul vosh from the vow slack coming on and then i opened it up to the discords and like the discord omakase channels and Gave out two random spots, so two random listeners are coming on. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, But that'll be next week. Until then, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time.